0: Hey everyone, this is Achyuta Baba from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to talk about Venus's entrance into the sign of Aries. Venus is just coming out of being in her exaltation in Pisces, where things were pretty rosy. Now Venus has entered a sign in which she was classically said to be in her exile or detriment, and today we're going to take a look at an ancient astrological text that sort of explains why Venus in a Mars-ruled sign can be difficult. Both Venus and Aries or Venus and Scorpio were said to be uh, a detrimental place for Venus. What does that really mean, though? And is it really such a negative thing? Um, We're going to take a look at that today. So that is our agenda. And we have five reasons that you can be excited for Venus and Aries and five things you should watch out for. So... As always, please like and subscribe, share your comments in the comments section, click the notification bell for updates, all of which helps the channel to grow, really appreciate it. If you want any of the transcripts of my talks, you can find them on my website, usually within 24 hours of any given video, that's nightlightastrology.com. Don't forget my new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic starts on June 5th. You can learn more about that on my website, nightlightastrology.com, here it is right there. Go up to the courses page, click on the first year course, And when you scroll down, you are going to learn all about it. It's a one-year class in ancient Hellenistic astrology. We've had thousands of people come through this program over the course of many years now. I've been doing this program, uh, one version of this program or another for 12 years. And so it is sort of my magnum opus. I poured a lot of time, research, um, and uh, passion into building this class. You can learn everything that the class has to offer on the first year course page. If you have any questions about it, you can email us at info info at nightlightastrology.com. If you scroll down on this page, you'll also find that the class contains 30 online webinars that are held on Sundays starting at noon Eastern time. They go to between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern time. I lead all of those classes. And then in between classes, I have a tutoring staff that leads interactive tutoring sessions that you can go to. Those are optional. And there's also an interactive group forum discussion where both myself and staff members are there to answer your questions. You can email me throughout the year with questions. Um, So there's a ton of support there built into the program. We also have 12 guest lectures that come in and give guest classes. Uh, These are professional astrologers in the industry, and that's outside of the 30 classes and the tutoring sessions. So by the time you put it all together, it is a, a wealth of information. And there's also lots of guided homework Optional quizzes. You can take the certification test at the end if you're looking to uh, sort of test your knowledge, your skill set, be certified from my school, and go on to start a professional practice. Many people take the course just because uh, it's the it's their hobby. But this class is looking at the ancient roots of astrology. You're learning the art and craft of meaningful prediction, as well as working with live clients. Last third of the program, we have live clients come in and I read for them, and uh, then after they leave, we break down the sessions. People. Far and away that is everyone's favorite part of the course. And it's about the last third of the program after we get through theory. This class does not stand alone. Some of you may know that I also have a year two class. Year two and horary classes start on June 11th and 12th. So if you've already taken my year one or are currently enrolled in it, you're more than welcome to jump into the advanced programs as well. There's four programs that I offer. So four years worth of content. And uh, you can check all of those out. Readings and passages and start again until the fall, but that's a full year worth of workshopping charts. Um, so to sign up at the bottom of the page, there's the early bird payment. You pay in full, you save $500 off. That's the best deal. There's also a 12 month payment plan. If you want to stretch it out over a year, take advantage of that. It makes it a little bit easier for some people. I get it. And then we also have tuition assistance If for any reason the price point is out of reach because of your fixed budget, your income, whatever your situation is, please check that out and see if it might help you. We like to make sure that no one's ever priced out of taking a spiritual class and learning about astrology. It should be ancient astrologers literally said that as teachers... You should be easy of access, so that if people want to learn, they can come to you, and they should be able to study. You should make that make it things accessible. So that is the reason that I do all this content five days a week, year round, and then do a Kickstarter at the end and ask people to donate if they like it. That's why I have a set fee, but then if there's always um, a donation-based structure for people who you know want to take the class but have to work within a budget. So we have scholarships for some people too. If if nothing is possible, we have a few of those. But make sure if you're going to use the need-based tuition, you take advantage of it while it's still there. Um, so uh, those uh, we don't have an unlimited amount of those. So make sure that you reach out right away if you want to take advantage of that. Also, we've gotten a lot of people sending in you know need-based tuition scholarships, and then we email you back. Sometimes we don't hear back from you, so make sure you check your spam folder if you've applied. We always reply back within a day. So. Um, You know, if you haven't heard from us, it's probably because it went to your spam folder. If you need, if you want to check on your application or anything like that, you can just email info at nightlightastrology.com. Okay, well, let's take a look at Venus entering Aries. So Venus in Aries enters on May 2nd. And by the way, you guys are like, you're wearing a hat. Yes, I'm recovering from COVID right now, and I have bedhead like you would not believe. So you get a hat today. (laughs) You're welcome. Isn't it fun? All right. So Venus in Aries, May 2nd to May 28th. That's a long, that's a nice, almost the entire month of May, we get Venus in fiery Aries. Now, This is traditionally said to be a difficult place for Venus. Venus is, quote unquote, debilitated in this place. But what does that mean? And should we be freaked out by that? Is there nothing positive about it? People don't like that kind of astrology, generally speaking. At the same time, it's really ignorant to toss out the entire philosophical language of ancient astrology. So let's take a moment to just understand what an essential dignity is in this case and what it's rooted in. Before I do that, let's pop up the real-time clock and take a look. So here's Venus having entered the sign of aries you can see right there going to hang out in the sign of the ram the temple of the of the of mars and the exaltation of the sun a fiery masculine sign this cardinal sign of spring it's uh it's a really potent temple and you know it's not venus's temple that's the main thing venus's opposite sign is that of libra just like scorpio the opposite sign is venus's sign that of taurus so when Venus is ingressing into Taurus at the end of May, it will then be in a much bigger, um, better sort of condition, one that's more conducive to its own nature. But anyway, again, what does all of this mean? Well, let's um, let's come back to an ancient astrologer. His name was Rhetorius, and he in turn was calling on an ancient text from an author named Antiochus. He wrote this, again, for what reason are the domiciles of Mars opposed to the domiciles of Venus? That would mean the home places of Mars. That would be Aries as well as Scorpio. Why are those home signs opposed to the home signs of Venus? If you notice, Scorpio is opposite Taurus. That's Venus's home. And and uh, Aries is opposite Libra. That's also Venus's home. So why is it that these places are opposed to one another? He, he Then he explains, we say that Venus is the ruler of all desire and enjoyment and pleasure, but Mars of all fear and war and anger. Always then are enjoyment and longing and pleasure opposed to dread and irascibility and hostility. So first of all, this is not to say that there's nothing good about Mars, and it's not to overly pigeonhole the meanings of Venus and Mars. He's simply offering something like a philosophical explanation, and these texts are very brief. So in this explanation, what Rhetorius is telling us is that there is something that's archetypally opposite about Venus and Mars. And if you take two seconds to think about it, you don't even, you don't have to reach for a stereotypically, you know, cheesy book like men are from Mars and women are from Venus or something like that. It's not, doesn't, you don't have to go down that path with it. But what he's saying is that there's something about division, strife, competition, bravery, courage, hostility, fighting, winning, all Mars types of stuff. And Rhetorius has, in his own book, there are many delineations of Mars that are positive. So it's not like he's just saying, oh, Mars is bad and Venus is good. He's just giving you the general feel for this. Mars kind of rules stuff that's a little bit intense, competition-driven. It's very assertive. It's aggressive, tends to be about conflict and strife. Venus, on the other hand, tends to be about what is enjoyable, beautiful, pleasing, or pleasant, desirable, Right? Venus is a bit more like um you know a bit less like an arm wrestling match and a bit more like you know uh dancing to a beautiful song you know it's just they're and they're so they're opposites and that's all you really need to know why is it that these places are opposed to one another and why is it then that we say that that Venus classically throughout the history of astrology has been understood as, experiencing some kinds of challenges when in Mars's signs and the same thing when Mars is in Venus's signs. It's not because nothing good can come out of those places or combinations. It's that you're now what you're dealing with is an archetypal tension that exists that is going to be amplified. So the tension between Venus and Mars when you put them in each other's signs is amplified and that's complicated, <laughs> you know. Now there's many instances of people many expressions of that combination that are that represent a beautiful synthesis of the of course people always like what about a balance of you know when venus is in mars's sign what about like venus and mars things being sort of balanced fair enough most of the time though uh, according to people like carl jung and and the ancient mystics themselves it's not so much about balancing opposites like there's some perfect like life is not naturally perfectly balanced go walk on the actual earthy soil is it ever you know what's flat and perfectly balanced is like concrete that we've artificially poured somewhere you know you walk in nature everything's imbalanced everything's up and down and that there's texture and different terrains and it's uneven and and that's beautiful so similarly ancient astrologers are looking at the landscape of life and being like it's not about balancing opposites as much as it is about learning to hold the tension of opposites, learning how to hold both ends rather than feeling like, oh my God, there's opposites, so I have to perfectly balance them. It's about saying, no, how do I carry the tension between Mars and Venus? It's basically like saying the same thing. The same thing is true in romance. How do you carry sexual tension? If you don't learn to carry sexual tension and you're, say, a 19-year-old guy and your freshman year in college and you're trying to Ask a girl out, and you don't know how to carry sexual tension, the girl won't want to go out with you. You know, she'll be like, Oh, he's just eager to get in bed with me, or he's just eager to call me his girlfriend, or he's just eager to have a girlfriend. How you carry tension is important. Can you hold the tension? Can you walk with it? Can you bear it? You know, and then it's creative tension held between opposites it's something that in for Greeks that the, if you held tension between opposites and learned how to flow with the tensing and relaxing of opposites then you know things would be born C- the creative a creative third between the two would be would come forth so but there is tension and you can't get rid of that you can't whitewash it that's what the dignity is about It's not saying, oh, Venus in Aries is bad. It's saying Venus in Aries holds a tension that becomes more acute. It's more relaxed. Venus doesn't have to carry that tension when Venus is in Taurus or Libra because those environments are Venusian. So it's like I just get to do and be Venusian. And that's why a planet in its own dignity is said to be rather happy because it's just in an environment that's conducive to its own nature. When you put it in the environment of another planet, especially one that is considered a planetary contrary, uh, planetary contrary, then all of a sudden that planet has to carry the tension. And that carrying of tension for many people will result in um, some kind of polarization, right? And the polarization, the potential for that polarization is there in an exile or a detriment. That's what we're getting at. So, here are five things though that you can get excited about with Venus in Aries if you're holding the tension. So five things to get kind of, you know, pumped up about. Let's get those, let's talk about those first. Passion. What is passion? Passion, one of the meanings of passion means to suffer with something, to suffer alongside of something, to, to love something as you suffer with it. You know, when you're a passionate artist, it, you know, I remember writing my book. It took me a long time. Like, I think the total amount of time between the, starting to write it and actually publishing it was like six years. Um, That was not an easy process. Just like birthing a child for my wife did not look easy. I, I'm. It's different, you know, but like a creative process is often passionate as in you love it and you are, but it's like you're getting cooked in it. So Venus and Aries, the beautiful thing is if you hold the tension between Venus and Mars, if you can hold it, then you'll find passionate intensity. And that is a flavor. That is something that the soul likes, okay? So if you hold the tension, that's your reward is you get to feel passionate, passionately. Two is feminine strength. Um, Although Venus can carry the tension with Mars and venus in aries can cause lots of conflicts in relationships you can also see feminine qualities empowered like the woman warrior the joan of arc the sense of the empowered woman um the strength of the feminist movement or something like that so when when the feminine is paired with the really assertive bold strong fiery mars-like qualities that that's a strong woman right my wife has Venus and Aries, you know what I mean? Like I don't mess with her when when Venus and Aries, she got a look in her eye, and I'm like, yep, that is she's the, the ram is in charge right now, you know. So I don't my Capricorn moon is very tempted because it's like a goat to like block horns and tangle with other horn creatures, <laughs> you know, like the the Taurus, uh, the, the the Taurus and the um uh, and the the ram and so forth. But yeah, I mean, you know, the strength of women. Whether that's entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial instinct, woman as CEO, woman as leader, women's circles, the concern about um, women's rights, uh, woman's choice, women's independence. Uh, These things are acute, they come into acute focus as Venus enters Aries and the Supreme Court is thinking about what they're going to do with Roe v. Wade right that's venus and aries there's the tension do you feel it in the in the air right now regardless of where you may stand i'm sure there are people who watch this who are all have all sorts of opinions about um you know that issue politically but do you feel the tension regardless of where where you may stand that the 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 sense of what is it what is a woman's right what is a woman's duty what is what dignify what 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 constitutes choice and agency these are venus and aries kinds of things and and they can be extremely positive and empowering the clarifying of desires now i know what i want because mars venus is very content let's say in taurus to organically let desires and be be shaped and formed and it's like um, there's more of a process orientation and a letting things naturally come to me uh like a centripetal force that pulls things inward like a like things are drawn to venus in in taurus or something like that when you put venus in aries it's i know what i want and i'm going to go get it and, and so the, the sense of what I desire, what is beautiful, pleasing, what will satiate me, what I want that is beautiful and attractive to me, there becomes this laser-like focus and impulse to go do it or get it or whatever the case might be. Now, that could be complicated, but genu- genuinely, it can also be very positive in the sense of just getting action, getting, uh, getting a momentum and action towards something that has suddenly become clear. I know now what I desire. And it doesn't have to be some like, you know, rush to the buffet or something. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be like gross. Number four, the right blend of assertive and receptive. The the It's like Venus and Aries is like the tango. It's real sexy interaction between push forward, pull back. And you might see the kind of erotics in terms of how you act and behave, how you are charming and receptive and relationally, um, Uh, intelligent while also getting what you want that, that, that blend somehow you just becomes a little sharper and uh, a little bit more. um, The tension is a little bit more felt, but it's, it can be fun. Uh, And then, you know, strength is sexy. Sometimes Venus and Aries is just suddenly I'm attracted to things that are strong and bold and, and direct and, you know, um, you could be attracted to things that have a little bit more of that Aries-like quality. That that suddenly becomes the object of desire or, or what you're attracted to. <clears throat> All right, but here are five things to watch out for. And these have more to do with the classical, like, if you don't hold the tension of Mars-Venus, if you don't hold the amplified tension of these two well, then watch out because these are likely coming. Childishness. This would be just immaturity in what I want, what I desire, and how I'm seeking to fulfill my desire, just being childish, really immature. Two would be selfishness, close cousin. Doesn't necessarily have to be as childish and immature, though. The selfishness can be um, more um, dominant, you know, more uh, cutthroat. So be, be careful, though, of I want what I want, like Veruca Salt, Venus and Aries, You guys remember Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka? There's been, you know, uh, she's, she ends up going down the chute as a bad egg. (laughs) My daughter, I showed her that movie for the first time and she was like, that girl was naughty. I was like, yeah. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. My, and my daughter has Venus and Scorpio and my oldest and she is just like so, um, you can just feel she just works that tension, you know, and it's just like she's, you know, a daughter of my wife who's got Venus and Aries too, so it's like you know, and that that tension, it's like you either learn how to hold it and beca- you become very masterful, and um, and 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 it's very, it's a very creatively potent combination, Venus and a Mars ruled sign. Um, it's funny how different too Mars is in a Venus ruled sign. We'll do a video on that eventually, maybe um, as Mars enters Taurus down the down the line and not too long later this summer. But anyway, they are very different. So selfishness. Number three would be ruthlessness. Venus and Aries can be, like I said, sort of cutthroat. It's just like, I don't care who's in my way. It's very Machiavellian. You know, just, I will get what I want when I want it. Like the, like the worst soap opera character you can imagine, you know, just, um, or, you know, who it comes to my mind is, uh, I, we watched the series called um, <clears throat> o- Ozark, The Ozark. I think it was called Ozark. Anyway, it's kind of like, it's hard to explain. It's a Netflix series. And um, oh, Helen Hunt, is that her name? No, not Helen Hunt. What's her name? The main character, I can't think of, it's Jason Bateman's wife in the show. If someone remembers her name, that would be nice. But anyway, she, as the show goes on, gets at certain times, not all the time, but at certain times, she gets real Venus and Aries, like just like the the what am i thinking of like what's the archetype is it like electra or it's just the it's like kali it's like destroyer goddess energy and just don't stand in my way kind of stuff and that that can be you know and obviously there's probably positive expressions of that too right but you know, like feminine strength, for example, but this, and, and this can be in men or women, by the way, it does not matter. This is, it's just a ruthless, I will get what I want. And I will, you know, I will, I will cut a bitch, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, don't know where <laughs> I blame it on COVID. All right. Number four, domineering. So, uh, yeah. And the other one can be just unintentionally domineering. Like I just tend to have to be on top, be number one. And, um, and yet I want everyone to think that I'm playing equal, that I care equally about everyone. So it's really complicated. Sometimes when you're, if you've ever been on a team with someone that has Venus and Aries, it's like they want the ball all the time, but they never, they can never admit that they want the ball all the time. It can be like Venus and Aries. So watch for the like unintentionally domineering, but trying to play the like I'm loved and liked and playing playing nice with everyone. And that, that can be something that like gets, you know, dominant, but like cloaking it behind like a Venusian demeanor. And then number five is provocative. I, I know this one is actually kind of fun. You know, provocative isn't always bad, but when you're intentionally just trying to provoke or do or say or dress in a way that's like, I'm just trying to get a reaction here. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, whatever, but... Whatever example you can think of to, 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 that someone would do in your world that would be provocative, that would be just a way of uh, ruffling someone's feathers and or like your teenage kids trying to ruffle your feathers just by like, I'm going to dress a way that I know will piss my mom off or something. I don't know. Venus in Aries is, um, I, I I will do my own damn thing, you know? And, and sometimes that provocative nature is going to burn bridges, ruin relationships, um, and so forth. It's like the, probably the worst of Venus and Aries is the strain that it can put on relationships overall. Any kind of area of your life where some kind of social cohesion and harmony is hoped for or expected, Venus and Aries will often, you know, just get its horns locked into some kind of, in some kind of power struggle. That's probably the worst of it. Now remember, the, the the difference with Venus and Aries being positive and productive or tending toward destructive qualities really has to do not so much with balancing something as much as it is with learning to hold the tension of something. The more you learn how to hold the tension, I am I am a you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a bad mama, but I'm also someone who is not gonna walk on people because I have ethics. I'm, a, I'm, you know, it's kind of like the warrior has a code of honor. So if, if like honor is part of what Mars holds, you know, alongside of being like, I'm tough and I'm action oriented, I'm not going to take crap. But there's also like, and I'm not, but I'm not here to be dominant. I'm not here to be a bully. And you can, you can just hold that tension. It's, it's not about eliminating the anger that might be boiling under the surface. It's about learning to you know let the 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 need for peace also speak with equal voice you know most of the time it's like let's collapse into one side or the other i shouldn't be aggressive you know i should just be really peaceful or it's like oh be peaceful you're just getting walked on why don't you just be you know why don't you just be bad you know it's like it's like in our head we're always Trying to figure things out by by saying, like, well, it's this side of the thing that I should be, and it's not the other side. Most of the time, like Carl Jung said, it's like, you know, the cross we carry is a cross of opposites. And it's about it's it's the crucible, the creative crucible. The way we actually evolve is by learning how to carry both sides and and honoring the presence of both. They're, they both exist, they're both real. And if you have a planet in its detriment, it's not that anything's wrong with you or you have bad karma or anything like that, but it is that you will feel the amplified presence of those opposites in a way that you might not if Venus was just in its home sign. But let me tell you that, um, you know, wherever there are such tensions in our charts, and there are many ways that they present themselves, not just in, um, you know, dignities. There are many ways that planetary Tensions present themselves in our charts. We all have them. And those are the places that, you know, we grow because of those places. So, um, but you can't whitewash them and make them positive without having to work it, you know, so that's why the dignities are there to also teach us about where those spots are that we're working. Anyway, um, that's what I've got for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this talk about Venus and Aries. As always, if you have any good stories to share Please use the hashtag grabbed or send us an email grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. What have you noticed over the past couple of days as Venus has ingressed into the sign of Aries? Any good stories to share? Use hashtag grab, put them in the comments section or email us and we aggregate those stories and share them occasionally. So don't share anything you don't mind uh, that you don't want put in a future storytelling video because we have some of those coming up soon. All right, that's what I've got for today. I hope you guys are having a great week. Don't forget the new class starts on June 5th. Hope to see some of you there. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.